And we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor podcast. We're recapping the penultimate episode of Survivor Winners at War, episode 13. I'm here with my co-hosts, Ryan Winthrop and Jordan Heffler. And I have to say, this we we were left off right with a recap of the whole season, right to end that episode. Are what are you guys you guys all ready for the finale now? What's up with that? I know Jordan's okay. got some comments, so I'll let him go first. I'll tell you, I was ready to scream, come on in, guys, because I thought that we were going to get to see the the Edge of Extinction challenge. But now I'm so upset. I'm just like, come on in, guys. I, I, I was the biggest tease of all time. I mean, we were talking about this before the podcast, and I just don't think there was any way you have the culmination of the season, the Edge of Extinction comeback challenge, where you're going to see you know, Parvati, Rob, Natalie, Tyson, battle it out. You're not going to cram that in into the end of the episode and say, okay, go back to camp. We'll start the finale next week. They were going to definitely do some sort of montage or tease. Like I could even see them going up until when Jeff says go and then they stop it there, but there was no way they were going to play out the whole challenge. I didn't buy it for a second. My, my dad was saying the whole time. He's like, what if he's like, what if the, what if it ended with like the person gets back in and it's just like, it gives you chills for next week because you know that a legend possibly is back into the game. So that is what I honestly thought was going to happen. And then once we only had like 10 or so minutes, I'm like, they're going to really draw out that challenge next week because it is the final challenge to get back in mm-hmm. to get back into the game from edge. So I knew that we were going to have some kind of tease or as I read on Twitter, people called it a send off from edge. Um, it was almost like it was almost like they had like you know, some of those people, it was probably their last, it was their last confessional probably ever in Survivor. Yeah. They tried to make it as one big send off where we got to see each person on camera one more time. We, what I did like is that we got a good count of every single person's fire tokens, which we needed to. And mm-hmm. people have been saying for weeks that poverty had like seven or eight tokens. She only had two. So I guess she really gave everything to Natalie when she found it with Natalie. Natalie had 14 tokens, made the interesting choice to, buy an idol for Tyson if he were to get back in and I'm um, you know we'll get to all this later but you know we'll do what we normally do we'll start out right at the beginning of this episode and you know the episode starts out a lot of the times how it has the season Michelle was once again left out of the votes yeah it's honestly a tale of two stories you have Tony on one side who for all the tribals he's attended he's been on the right side of the vote and then you have Michelle, who, except for a couple, has been on the wrong side of the votes. Even back to the very first episode where the Natalie blind side catches her off guard. So, again, it's hard not to feel bad for Michelle in this moment. You know, you see her cry when we get to the one of the challenges later, but you got to feel bad for her a bit. I know she came in with big expectations that I can change my perception. I'm a worthy winner. I'm somebody who, you know, deserves my spot on this season. And I'm on the wrong side of the vote. I'm losing allies. My tribe wasn't doing well. I, I got to feel for Michelle here. And I wish, you know, she was able to change her game more. But from what we're seeing right now, she's just not able to find that footing at all. Could you make the argument that her being left out vote after vote is kind of helping to build her story and create the narrative that she needs in order to win or take down a top dog in the game? Oh, uh, is that to me? Both of you. I mean, yeah, go Del. Okay, I, I was going to say that I, I kind of feel for Michelle because I, I, I think she has an extremely strong, strong social game. We saw it in her first season. We're seeing it again this season to a point. But, you know, she's using that social game to the point where she's getting gifted the fire tokens. But the problem is the reason she's getting gifted so many fire tokens is because she's on the wrong side and the person that she's working with keeps getting voted out. Um, 
And, you know, I do feel for her because I feel like she's in that, she's at that point and she's been at this point for a few weeks where she, there's like nothing she could do to get back. And like when you're stuck on the bottom and, you know, we spoke about this with Kelly on our, on our um, podcast with her on Sunday, like when you're, when you're on the bottom, you know, sometimes there's just nothing you could do. We saw this with Jeremy also. And, you know, you kind of do feel for Michelle at that point. And I, but I do think that it could be possibly leading up to her making a huge move next week. But also to Jordan's point though, it's like, you know, do you put more stock in an underdog story or do you put more stock into a uh, domineering story where you were in charge of everything? And I think it, like Kelly said last week, it comes down to what you as a juror value. Do you value an underdog story or do you value someone who was in charge of things? And I think the perfect example is Michelle's season where she beats Aubrey because yeah, you know, some people respected Aubrey controlling the votes, making the tie flip happen. But, you know, the Scots, the Jasons, the Julias, they respected Michelle's underdog story and how she had to be scrappy and she had to fight and pull out last minute wins. So I think it comes down to what they value. And I personally put more stock into somebody who is on the right side of the votes, is in the social numbers, is being brought to with plans. They have the social capital to win. I root for that player over the underdog. But the underdog is a very compelling story for a lot of jurors. It's interesting to think about how the juxtaposition between this season for Michelle and her winning season, because part of the reason she was criticized for her winning season was that she just pretty much coasted with all the votes. She was never really controlling. She was never really left out of the votes. Is, am, I, am I right about that, Ryan? Right, and this so, time, oh, I, I was going to say what you're saying is basically she was on the right side of the numbers last throughout time. her winning season. Right. But, but this, this, season, this season, it's the opposite. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I do feel for Michelle in that sense. And I really do think she's trying and like that scene um, in the second, ep- second hour where she was talking to Sarah and like Sarah was just shutting her down. That was like, I was like cringing. Cause I was like, I, I, Michelle must feel like so awkward trying to like throw anything she could at Sarah and Sarah just is not budging. One thing that I got out of tonight is that Sarah is, seems to be locked in with going, going to at least the final four with Tony. Um, you know, she's even though Tony did betray her that one time with the Sophie vote, she's locked into Coppers R Us. And maybe she thinks that she can make an argument to beat Tony in the end. Obviously, we are not seeing exactly we're seeing Tony what it looks like to be playing a stronger game than Sarah. But, you know, as many people have said about Sarah, she plays a low key, very, very good social game. So maybe she thinks that she could use that to win her votes over Tony in the end. But yeah, that's that's the one. That's one of the main things I got out of tonight is that Sarah seems completely locked into Cops Are Us final four at least. Yeah, no, Cops Are Us two is going deep in this game in terms of the final three together. I mean, we see, you know, there's a potential. Look, there's a potential that something happens next week and Tony and Sarah gun for each other. But right now, I think we're seeing them locked and loaded together. And this is a big point that we'll talk about throughout tonight. Is the big ticket question why does no one go after tony and i think it comes down to you know sarah probably goes with tony because sarah thinks she might be able to beat him or they might be able to break even i think sarah is an amazing player we've seen this last season and this season um and i think even other players who aren't as strong like the knicks the michelles and even the bens they probably don't go for tony because they think well tony's on my side tony always puts himself in a swing vote position and i'm with tony so why would i vote him out even though they might not be able to beat him so that's just crazy to me that all these people don't want to take Tony out. But I think also Dylan, it ties into what Tony said in one of the confessionals where he says, this is all winners. I'm not going to take somebody to the end that doesn't deserve it. This isn't like a normal season. And I think in most seasons we see 
who's the goat, who's the person you drag to the end. But in all in Winners at War, and even back in Cambodia where it was Jeremy, uh, Spencer, and Tasha, they're like, well, we're not going to take Keith, we're not going to take Abby because they don't deserve it. I think in these big seasons, they're gonna people are not going to want to take someone who doesn't deserve it. That's probably one also reason why Tony's not getting targeted. And yeah, and we know. Yeah, we, we know Tony thinks he could obviously beat anybody in the end, but clearly Sarah feels the same way. And, you know, one thing I do want to talk about is Ben. And this, you know, and I, I you know, I said we were going to go in chronological order, and this kind of ties back a lot to that to that first hour. And Tony and Sarah seem to have a perfect read on, how, on Ben's personality and everything because Ben likes to be the one in control, and Sarah knew that. So what did they do? They completely made it seem like, they made him feel like the Jeremy vote was his vote. When... It ruined really Tony and Sarah. They had the plan the entire time where they were like, they were like, all right, we're going to do Nick, but they knew that it was going to have to be Jeremy if it wasn't Nick. And they, you know, and you even saw after the vote happened, you saw Tony like hyping up Ben, like, you know, you're the one who made that move. Like you've been feuding with Jeremy for so long and now you finally got him out. And maybe that is giving Ben the confidence that he's playing the quote unquote, what he would think best game. So I think that I have to give props to Tony and Sarah for they're managing the personalities around them so perfectly. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. I mean, this is a classic practice we see all the time in Survivor. It's mentioned in that book I have on the shelf, you know, how to win friends and influence people. Making people think it's their idea is such a great strategy, especially if you can pull it off without any flaws. You get people to your way of thinking. And as somebody once said it, I believe it was on, you know, Natalie's original season. Someone said a perfect analogy where, you know, I may not be driving, but I'm in the passenger passenger seat saying where you should go. Like that's the position you want to be in. Because if you are the person driving or you're the tallest tree, you're going to get chopped down. Yeah, that was a very strong move from Sarah and Tony. And it made me think about the fact that Sarah always hypes out her social, hypes up her social game, which like the more I think about it, how strong is your social game really? That was a very strong strategic move, which in the game of Survivor are two really separate things, strategy and just being social. So where does Sarah's social skills come in? It doesn't seem like she's too close with anybody on the season, except for Tony, am I right? Like she's not close friends with anybody. She's she's a very strong alliance member and strategic player. Now, I think that Sarah is a very underrated social player like for example i think after tonight you would call michelle an underrated physical player like michelle actually won two or three challenges in co wrong she won this challenge here i could see her winning again um i think on the flip side sarah is a very underrated social player i think that's the biggest reason why we see sierra give her the advantage in game changers because sierra felt so good with sarah even though sarah pioneered the sierra vote and i just think that She's so close with Tony. She and Ben have a great relationship from the green try when they swapped back early in the pre-merge. I think, you know, Denise liked her. Kim and her had a great relationship. Sarah is really good at building bonds. And it's tough because I think the biggest thing, Jordan, to your point, we don't see that much from Sarah on the show because she has like a very like stern exterior. Like she's more of the bad cop. Tony's more of the good cop. But everybody after the season always says, wow, Sarah was my best friend. Sarah was my friend. And I think Sarah has a really underrated social game. I know that. Yeah, yeah that's that's something that was mentioned a lot after Game Changes. And I think that that's a reason why Sarah feels like she could beat Tony. Maybe she, like she, because she definitely had, even though Tony did make a lot of the moves, she was right there with him. So if maybe if you, and I, I don't expect this to happen on a jury and on a winners at war jury, but if people on the jury are a little bit salty at Tony for something that he may have done, 
they're not going to mind giving Sarah a vote at all. So I don't necessarily think it's completely far-fetched to her to go to the end with Tony. And Mm -hmm. obviously if she were to win the final immunity, I don't think she would bring Tony along with her. So I think that she's fine going to final four with Tony. She's fine going with Tony to the end if she needs to, but you know, if she were in the power position, I don't think she would bring him, but I do want to talk a little bit more about that first vote where Jeremy did get voted out. Obviously the plan was on Nick because they wanted to keep going with that hyena strategy. The classic thing happens where Nick wins immunity with the, you know, the, that was a weird challenge. Have we ever seen that challenge before Ryan? I don't believe we have, or have we? It's one of those, you know, hodgepodge challenges where, you know, you combine part of one with part of another. I mean, we see slide puzzles all the time. And I don't remember when we first saw that ball on a ramp challenge. I know I've seen that before. I just can't think of where I saw it, but no, I mean, we've seen these parts before. It's a very simple challenge. Um, And no, I mean, I I think it's cool because I really hope all these winners knowing how these uh, challenges work, practice the slide puzzles. I mean, if you go out there and you don't practice slide puzzles, you're a fool. Like there's a slide puzzle every challenge, every season. So whenever someone says, I don't get how to do a slide puzzle, I'm like, you know, they do this every season. You got to practice. But um, yeah, no, like, like you said, Dylan, it's a classic moment where somebody's the underdog and they just pull it out. The plan falls to shambles. Yeah. Did you I think, thought, did oh, you think that Nick was going to win that challenge? Because it's, it's becoming a little bit of, of a pattern this season that, we see before the challenge that there's a plan to go into place that it's going to be a pretty easy vote on so-and-so. And we saw it two times tonight. It was going to be Michelle easily and it was going to be Nick easily. Those are the two plans and both people, both those people were the ones that won. So were you surprised that Nick and Michelle won? No. I, I think it is becoming a pattern. And while I do think that it is edited to make the person seem like an underdog when they win, I also think that it's very, I think it just, you know, and Jeff kind of mentioned it in tribal, maybe, you know, those people who do know that they're on the block are gaining that extra little bit of energy. Like they need to, in order to stay in the game, they need to win this immunity. And I think that that's why we are, we're, you know, we're seeing it so frequently this season. I think, you know, obviously there's a little bit of a coincidence in that. And then there's also maybe that, you know, your, your ass is on the line. So you gotta, you gotta win that challenge. So, um, but yeah, no, I would definitely was not surprised to see, to see both of them win for sure, especially after what we've been seeing this season. Um, but you know, I, Nick wins that challenge and then he's put in a power position where he is the swing vote, a position that Nick has not been in all season. And I really, really felt like Nick had a chance to maybe gain some traction and make a big power move tonight. And instead he went along with, um, he went along with Sarah, Tony and Ben to take out Jeremy. What did you guys think of that move? And do you think that, do you think he should have flipped to the other side or do you think it was fine for him to stay on that side with Sarah, Tony, and Ben, and take out Jeremy. Half, what do you think? Um, so, I mean, if I'm on Survivor, I'm taking it one vote at a time, especially if I'm in Nick's position where I don't even have a resume at this point. I'm not thinking all the way to the final tribal. I'm just thinking of how can I get by each and every vote so I can eventually get there. And Nick has no resume right now. If you, if you think about it, you can vote out Ben or you can vote out Jeremy, who's a major threat and is one of the favorites to win the season. I think it was a no-brainer for, for him. I definitely would have taken out Jeremy. It, will, it obviously didn't work out for him, but we don't know what would have happened if he decided to go with Jeremy and take out Ben. But if, if I'm him, I'm taking out the bigger target all day. It's it's so tough. I mean, I, I see the argument. I see the argument everyone's making where, you know, Jeremy, other than Tony, Jeremy's the hardest one to beat at the end because of he's a great player and he has a great story with his family. And 
I can see why Nick says, I don't want to sit next to Jeremy. So I can see the argument there, but I just think that if you're Nick and you're a winner and you see somebody like Tony, who is bringing you in on votes in the Sophie vote and the Kimbo, you're being brought into these plans. Yeah. You're contributing, but you're not the one that's driving the bus in that way, or at least again, sitting in the passenger seat in that case. But I just feel like Nick Dylan's right. Had, had a moment to take out Tony or at least break up Tony and Sarah and Ben, because they clearly are a tight trio and Nick just kind of went with Jeremy because, well, we all want to take out Jeremy. Why not? But I think there was a scenario where Nick and Michelle get together. They pull in Denise. Um, they pull in – who am I missing? They pull in Denise and they pull in – oh, Jeremy, of course. They pull in the four of them and they make a plan to take out the three of Ben, Sarah, and Tony. I just feel like this was their shot to make a move and then obviously not to play – the results bias, but we see Nick get voted out. So obviously it didn't work, but I just feel that other than not wanting to sit next to Jeremy, I don't see much, much strategic merits to not going after Tony and Sarah here to weaken them with Ben. Yeah. So I, I have a pretty strong opinion on this and I had it in the moment. It's not just bias of Nick getting voted out. Um, and you know, I, I watch with my family every week and we're sitting there and saying, how is Tony not getting targeted when you know, if you're Nick and you know that there's a split vote happening, you have an opportunity that you need le- you need to get less people together in order to take out take someone out. So that's like the opportunity you have with a split vote. That's a major reason why splitting vote is a huge risk, you know, in the game itself. And I think that going forward in future seasons, splitting votes is something that we could see backfire a lot. And we, you know, we haven't necessarily seen it this season. We've more seen just like scenarios that could happen if a person were to do whatever. But Nick had an opportunity where he could have not only taken out Ben, but you could even make an argument that he could have taken out Sarah or tried to take a shot at Tony and said to Jeremy and Michelle, look, Jeremy and Michelle, they're they're putting votes on both of you, two and two. We could get together right now, make a strong three and take out Tony while he doesn't see it coming, Sarah while he doesn't see it coming, and Ben while he, or Ben while he doesn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And while, you know, let's just say, let's just say he even took out Ben and let's say he didn't make the huge move by taking out Tony or Sarah, you still weaken Tony and Sarah by taking out Ben. And you do have that huge, that pretty big move on your resume. Even though taking out Ben is not as big of a move as taking out Tony or Sarah, you weaken them going forward. And I think that Ben's chances going forward would have been tremendously increased. He would have had Michelle and Jeremy that they definitely would have been tight because if Jeremy felt like he had numbers over Tony, I don't think Jeremy would have gone to work with Tony knowing that Jeremy couldn't keep Tony all the way to the end. So I do think that that would have been a strong three. And I think that if they wanted to take out Tony or Sarah going forward, I don't think Denise would have had a problem doing that, especially having her number one Ben out of the game. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think Denise would have sided with Tony and Sarah to take out anybody else um, unless it was maybe Jeremy, but then you would have had a three, three. So I think that Nick was in a major power position and I just completely disagree with his move tonight. And I know that, you know, half you had a differing opinion, but that's just, that's how I see it. That's how I saw it. Yeah. For me at the end of the day, there's so many hypotheticals, so many question marks here that it's impossible to say that there's a right or wrong answer, but he could have been in the game with Tony, Sarah and Jeremy or just Tony and Sarah. So that for me is the biggest thing. Just get, get one more person out of the game that you know, you have no chance of beating. Yeah. And we have Matthew here who said Tony did the four, three split at nine to get out Sophie, where he realized the situation where votes were being split and he, he got together a smaller group that was able to take out, a big threat. So, I mean, we did see split, split votes come back, come backfire. And, you know, Nick could have taken advantage of the same thing, but you know, look, Nick maybe just saw it as a safe scenario. Um, 
you know, a scenario where you're still getting out a big threat, as you said, and Jeremy that you can't beat at the end. Um, but then, you know, I, I really have to give credit to Michelle because even though Michelle has not been on the right side of the votes, she knew exactly what was going to happen. And she, you know, was she major foreshadowing. They get back after that tribal council. Um, you know, it, we didn't, we didn't mention the 50, 50 coin, but Michelle had to play it for herself. She couldn't play it for Jeremy because if she did play it for Jeremy, she would have been the one going home. Um, but that 50, 50 coin, I think it's huge potential for future seasons. I really like it. I just think it was like an anticlimactic end to that storyline. Yep. Um, but yeah, anyway, what I was going to say is Michelle comes back after that challenge and she, hold on, hold on, go for it. Um, I want to talk about Michelle flipping the coin. Okay. That was not, that was not a good flip. Did you guys notice that it like barely flipped? It was kind of, it was kind of rigged. She just pretty much made it land on the safe on safe. Oh, that was, that bothered me so much. I I got (laughs) right. I think that a A, Jeff Jeff should have to flip the coin. Yeah, Either, either give it to Jeff or you have a nice big flip. The fact that she went. Flip one, you're safe. And the biggest problem, the reason why it was anticlimactic, and I do think that it's an actual. I know Andrew says in the chat that it's it sucks, but I do think that there is some strategic merit to it. I know we we I was talking to Dylan about this earlier today that somebody on Rob's podcast was talking about how the strategy where you basically want to go after each other, but you have to come together because of the coin, because neither of you wants to go out, out on a flip. So what's a third option for you? So I feel like the coin has merit as a strategy option. But again, the flip could have been better. Jeff should have flipped it. And then most importantly, the votes were not going on Michelle. If Michelle was right. in danger, if this was like last season where Karishma had the coin and she flipped it and then all the votes against Karishma were gone, that would have been epic. No matter, Even if the coin landed on not safe, Jeremy was going to go home. So it was anticlimactic because we knew what the answer was going to be. So Yeah. Yeah, sorry, to, sorry to go back to that, but I wasn't gonna let Michelle be like a Seahawk and fly under the radar there. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I, I completely agree with you guys, and I think the fifty-fifty coin will be used in future seasons. Um, I did also hear that um, segment uh, by Rob Sesterny, you know, and he, you know, whoever whoever I forgot who it was, but whoever was talking there, uh, she did make very good points about how it could be used as leverage going forward, and you know, and then going back to what I was gonna say before, Michelle completely foreshadowed Nick's fate right when they got back from tribal council and she, you know, she did say, she said, all right, well you flipped, but now, you know, it's going to be me and you on the bottom. And that, and that's completely correct. And that's really why I felt like Nick did make the wrong choice. Um, and, you know, all it took was Michelle winning immunity, which she did for Nick to be completely screwed. Yeah. Now Michelle basically called it like it was, she knew that they were on the bottom and the threesome of I think the underreported stories, we keep talking about Sarah, Tony, and Ben, but it was mentioned a lot in this episode that Ben and Denise are like this. They're really close. Right. Like Denise is a vote in Ben's pocket. So we keep talking like it's a three, but it really is like a, a inner three with a outside limb of a fourth. And I think that Michelle is right that, you know, they're together. We don't really have Denise because she's with them. So now we are on the bottom and like Dylan was saying, Michelle called it because we see the votes come in. One of the first times the season where we see the votes read after the vote out, and the only two out of the votes were Nick and Michelle. Right. And so, yeah, so, I mean, look, I yeah, I think it was the wrong move by Nick. Um, but now we head to Edge of Extinction, right, to start next episode because we knew that was going to come in multiple times. Obviously, it came in at the end of the episode, came in at the beginning here. And we have Natalie winning a- another advantage this was one that i think could have been much bigger 
but they chose to put a smaller advantage because it's so close to the end. That's what I'm thinking. Cause they didn't want something that was going to screw everything up like extortion when you're already at the final six. Cause that would have been in my opinion, not right. I'm sure you guys completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So they did the whole, you could make somebody less powerful to challenge. I had a feeling that Nick was going to use it on Ben, which he did. And Ben ironically almost still won the challenge, but it was the reason he lost. Um, I think that this could have been used in a more creative way. So something that as soon as that happened, you know, my, I, I told, I said, I watched my family and they were saying, what if you, you know, you play it on Ben, but what if you put the blame on another player? Is that something that you saw as a possibility? Or you think they would see right through that? It's certainly possible. I mean, if, if they really aren't going to reveal where it came from and who played it, as long as it's with, as long as it's in the rule guidelines, you can do it. I mean, people always ask on Survivor, are, are you allowed to do this? Are you allowed to do this? And as long as it's not written down in like an advantage rules, or as long as it isn't said by a producer, you can do it. So I think Dylan, that you're right that somebody could have Nick, if you wanted to, could have like finagled the rules and said, "I didn't play this, but you know what? I think it was Tony. He pits Ben against Tony. Tony maybe goes out. Like I, there's a lot of possibilities for strategy here, but I just think that." You know, Nick probably did the right thing in terms of trying to use it against Ben because he wants Ben to go home. It's the last night that you can spend your fire token, so why not do it? Um, I don't think Nick made a, a real mistake here in that moment. I, I think we were criticizing Nick's mistake in the first hour, but in the second hour, I think if you want to get Ben out, this is the right move here because it, it's anonymous. Yeah, and we didn't know at the time that it was the last time that you could use fire yeah. tokens. Um, we found that out when Jeff said it right at the challenge. So at first, I was going to criticize Ben and like I don't, I would not take this if I were him because he did have six, but it was the last time he could use it, so why not use it? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't. I mean, it worked for Ben, so I don't see. I don't have a huge problem. I want to ask you guys, what do you think of the conclusion to the whole fire token story? Obviously, we're going to see if it plays out for the people who use it next week. Um, get it for the comeback challenge, but I kind of expected there to be a much more climatic ending to this fire token story. Um, and then all of a sudden Jeff just kind of like weaved into a sentence, like this is the last time that you could play it. What did you guys think of this? To me, it almost felt like the season was more of an experiment for fire tokens. Um, you know, something that could be used going forward in future seasons and they could definitely get more creative with it going forward. But I did expect a major twist going down the road here with fire tokens that we never got. So what do you guys think of that? Half you have an opinion? Yeah, I was always pretty mad on it. I, I was never really that intrigued by it throughout the season. I wish there was a little more trading going on day by day with the players. But, I, I mean, from, from a producer standpoint, it was a good way for people on the edge to get involved, get extra airtime because they were sending advantages by trying to get tokens from people. So, I mean, it was a smart ploy from the producers. I probably wouldn't like it again in a future season. But, yeah, I'm pretty neutral on it as far as – its role in season 40. I like them. I, I think that if there's any season to test it out, it's all winners. They know the game. They know how to utilize these tokens for strategy. You know, you're saying it's like a token economy. It's a bartering system. And I think that if the winners show the fans how the tokens can be utilized, I think fans, when they come back for like new player seasons and we see fire tokens again, because I do think we'll see them again. I think fans are going to realize how to play them and how to evolve it even more. Um, and you know, Dylan, to your point, I would have, I would have liked a more climatic ending to them. But here's my one fear: I was so afraid that the climatic ending to Fire Tokens would have been like, okay, you know, you've been collecting Fire Tokens, your allies have been giving them to you, 
here's what's going to happen. If you have like three tokens or four tokens or whatever it is, you can buy an idol right now. You can buy an advantage right now. Like, and I was afraid that if they try to go for a big finish to fire tokens and you can buy something like, imagine if Nick bought this advantage and then the next challenge or whatever they say, okay, here, here is now the final moment. You can do it. If you have three or more tokens, your threshold, you can buy an idol or whatever. I was so afraid we could get to like an advantage get in 2.0 and some, and someone like Ben, even though I'm not a big Ben fan, everyone else had a lot of tokens and Ben only had one. So I would have been upset actually, if everyone else could buy an idol and then Ben was the only one with that one. So I think that a climatic ending would have been nice, but I'm glad they didn't try to shoot the moon for it. Yeah. You do make a good point there. You don't want something to be overpowered at the end, especially with multiple people having idols already. So yeah, I, I do think that, um, and I also wonder, like, I, I think that like when players are rewatching the season, they'll have a better idea for, for as to what fire tokens are and how they're used. Obviously, this is the first time they were used, so those players are out there like not really knowing what's going on. They didn't really know how what a, what something would cost. Like eight fire tokens seemed like so much, but it was the last time they could use it. Um, then this extortion thing, six tokens seems like so much, but you know, Tony when he when he was faced with the extortion advantage, you don't really know what the price is of a normal thing. Um, Michelle, when she was presented the coin, you don't really know if anybody else has been gifted advantages and have to pay for stuff. So you don't know the normal price, Nick, you don't know the normal price. So I think that from a viewer standpoint, um, everything seems, everything obviously seems a lot more clear with the tokens than when you're actually in the game. And that's something that we'll have to, I, I would love to see more trading with them also. I think that they'll have a bigger role in future seasons, but mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that was the end of fire tokens once that everyone does have those advantages for next week. I want to ask you guys what you think of bequeathing the fire tokens to somebody else when you're voted out, because to me, it kind of is a way for them to level the playing field that if you get left out on the wrong, if you're left on the wrong side of the vote, that's pretty much a guarantee for you to get fire tokens. Cause that means you're in that person's alliance. And that's something that I don't really like because I don't like how the producers are leveling the playing field. It's kind of like in fantasy football, if you are in last place, you get the first waiver bid, your first, you know what I mean? So I I don't, I personally don't like that in fantasy football. Um, What what do you guys think of that aspect of it? Do you think that players should be able to bequeath to people in their alliance? What what do you think? I, I, I think that it's good because it rewards the social play. Like Michelle is on the wrong side of these votes, but because she's amazing at the social game, she gets these tokens and then she can put them, to good use in the game. Now, granted, Michelle has not been in a power position, but imagine if she was the Tony of the season. Imagine if she was able to make these moves, especially because she had tokens. I like the idea. The part that I find interesting, Jordan, is the next time we see tokens, we're likely not going to have EOE because like we keep hearing from Jeff, EOE is going away for a long time. So let's just say season 41, they make things normal, no fire tokens. 42, they bring it back. Now, I bet almost everything they will not have eoe in season 42 so whether they bequeath or not when you leave the game and you're out for good i think it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out where because i think the other part about eoe and fire tokens is like with nick and tyson where tyson gets voted out uh before the merge uh the fifth vote out he gives nick a token and there was a chance for them to reconnect when he got back into the game and said hey i gave you a token let's try to work together from now on that was an interesting social dynamic and i think now that eoe won't be a thing moving forward whether you can bequeath it or not, I'm curious to just see how the fire tokens will affect the game when there's not the interchange back into the game. 
Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Ryan says. I I, li- I like the giving fire tokens once you get voted out. Um, like you said, it kind of could level the playing field, but and you know, old school Survivor fans definitely don't like that. You know, when you're on the when you're on the bottom, you're on the bottom, and that's what we're we're used to for watching Survivor for so many years. But I do think it could come into play, you know, for a few of re- the reasons that Ryan said, you know, down the line. So I, I, I don't mind it at all. And, you know, as, as we said, I'm sure that the fire tokens will be used in a lot more creative ways going forward. So, you know, this was just the very beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And to just to, to, you know, to move on to the immunity challenge, Michelle had to win. She did win. And we had this interesting domino type challenge where you also had to weave in between the obstacles I do remember this challenge on, I believe, Tyson season, the season he won on Redemption Island. Is that correct, Ryan? Uh, I don't remember every season where a challenge was. I remember bits that of the part here. It was I on, remember that very it was on, well. It was on one Redemption Island season. I'm not sure which one it was. I think I'm it was. I'm positive it was Tyson's. Okay, well, That's I know for a season. fact. Well, I, they've been doing domino challenges for a while. Like This is the challenge that Russell lost in, in Redemption Island. I believe... I don't think this was a duel in Tyson season. I think this was a regular challenge, but we have seen this before in a lot of cases. Right. Yeah. So good for Michelle for winning it. Um, definitely was a, you know, if she, if she doesn't end up, if she doesn't end up making a big move in later in this game, I thought that that was a nice kind of way to close the storyline as being the underdog needing to win to, you know, to stay another vote. So good for her for doing that. I did feel bad for at the very beginning of those at the very beginning part of survivor uh, at the survivor episodes that, you know, she, she couldn't really get anyone to work with her. She did win immunity. And then you have the debate whether or not, you know, first it looked like it was going to be either um, it was either going to be Ben or Ben or Nick was the original plan. Correct. Cause Nick originally wanted to get out Ben. Yeah. I think when they get back to camp, I mean, granted, we have the whole weird thing, and we can talk about this, where Denise is playing up, you know, I'm the one that's going to go home, give me a last meal. I mean, that was a potential plan, but I think that they were telling uh, Ben that we're going to go for Nick, and we're all going to go for Nick, but if Nick comes to us, we're going to say to him it's Denise. I think that was where it was going to go, but then we see a scene down the beach where they actually say, no, we're actually going to go for Ben tonight. So now it's a question of, Nick or Ben in the episode, but then we get to the next scene, which is the return of the spy nest. I'm glad the spy nest came back and it wasn't a one and done. <laughs> Tony peeking through the trees is amazing. Um, but then we see Denise becomes one of the plans. So again, we see a, a thing at, at camp where Michelle's immune, but it's going to be between Denise, Ben or Nick. And once again, Tony and Sarah stay completely out of the limelight. I, there's so many incredible things about that. So first, first of all, Tony again not being brought up. Sarah again not being brought up. And we always mention at the very beginning, before the season even started in the pregame press, they had that article where they had everybody. You know, who would you vote out first if you could vote somebody out? And so many people had Tony. So many people had Sarah. And meanwhile, Tony has not received a single vote. Nope. And one. Sarah has how many votes has Sarah received so far? Sarah received uh, only a few. I think like. Two, one or two and i think it may have been at the tribal where sophie went home or something but she only has like one or two against her maybe three. Right. so both both have you know stayed out of the line of fire and i i did find that denise type deal very strange i don't really know what that what she was trying to accomplish there maybe she was just trying to like calm things down or like make things a little bit less crazy so she can navigate better i don't really know but 
clearly it was either between Nick or Denise because Tony's. So yeah, the other thing that I was going to say was amazing is that Tony's Tony's spy next nest actually working. Can we just talk about how incredible that is? Like they have so much downtime on the Island for however, for whatever portion of time that he decided to climb up there was the portion of time that they, that he was able to hear Denise saying that she wanted to go to the final three with Ben and Sarah and not Tony. Like, I, I just think that's so incredible that he could just like pick the portion of time that they're going to have that conversation and somehow hear that information. And that's what makes Tony so great. Imagine if well, he was up so there for like three hours. <laughs> you know, yeah. I feel, I feel like they would have like played it out if he was up there for so long, but yeah. you, would think, you would think that he has to be up there for a decent amount of time in order to wait for them to come. But then you also have to think like he can't stay there for that long. Cause then people get suspicious. Well, it's just so interesting because, you know, we see in his first season, the spy shacks work all the time and we see the first one being built behind the shelter and we see the next one being built by the water well where he catches, you know, Trish and Jeff are talking and that's the whole Jeff blind side. And then obviously the spy bunker failed in game changers, but we'll move past that. Now with the spy nest, it's not only cool because, you know, it's up in the air, but now Sarah knows about it. Sarah's in on the plan. So she probably brings Denise to the water well. And it's so interesting because back when they were on the split tribes, the red tribe to call, when Tony did that crazy thing where he disappeared for a bit, Sandra or someone else said, let's not go to the well because that's where the spy shack was last time. So the fact that Tony builds it again at the well and it works is only going to work because Sarah knows it's there. Right. And she'll say to the people, oh no, Tony doesn't have a spy shack. He's not doing that this season. Come with me to the well. We're fine. And then she leads them down there. So this only works if Sarah's in on the plan for him to build it at the water well. I, I would have loved to see that from Sarah's perspective as well. Yeah, me too. I, like, cause you, cause like I feel, I do feel for Sarah a bit in that this is not getting shown. Cause I feel like she's playing a very, very, very instrumental role in a lot of Tony's game. And like, if she gets to the end, she, she does, she, you know, we're, we're obviously seeing Tony is playing a bit of a stronger game. Sarah is making a ton of moves. She's playing a very strong game. She's been on the right side of the votes pretty much this entire game. And I would, I would love to see some of that social play or strategic play from Sarah that we're not just, we're not seeing a ton of it, at least so far. Um, you know, with one episode left, you never know how much you could see of one person. Um, you never know if she can make a few huge moves at the end, but yeah, I would have loved to see do her do something like that. Cause if she's truly leading everyone over there so that Tony could hear, like, that's just, that's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it, but like, if she won the season, we would have seen a lot more of that behind the scenes strategizing. We saw, we saw from last season with Tommy, he was all over that. Wendell was pretty was pretty instrumental in the like the behind the scenes esque swaying the votes, and I th I think that if Sarah were to win the season, she would have had a much more telling edit that she wasn't just tailgating behind Tony's moves. She was actually the, she was actually the one instrumenting them. Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I still think there is the argument that you know there you are still you're in a final five. If you're Sarah, you're in a final five. You're about to be in a final six there still is an opportunity for her to go to the end without Tony. And if she does go to the end without Tony, then she has a strong case to win. But I do get that if you're reading into the edit, that does make sense. Yeah. No, I, I think it's going to be, Oh, sorry. What would you say? No, no, you, you go Ryan. Oh no, sorry. The, uh, the, the stream cut for a bit there, but um, no, I was just trying to say that again, we, we brought this up at the start of the show, but, but I do think that Sarah, while she hasn't been seen as much on the show, I do think she has been playing a very strong game. 
So maybe Jordan's right that the edits would have been better for her if she won or if she was doing more. But I have to say that Sarah is playing a really important role. And I think that she still believes that she can be Tony or sit next to him at the end. Because even when Michelle, we see her go for the Hail Mary before she wins immunity, she's like, oh, we can go for Tony. Sarah's not really budging on it. So that tells me that she thinks she can beat Tony or I still have, I still have time to cut Tony. Cause if you think about this, we're at final six before Nick, Nick, Nick gets voted out. Then we go down to five. Someone comes back from the edge to get to six. And then we go to then five and then the final four. So she still technically has time to get rid of Tony, but she probably thinks I can still beat him at the end though. Yeah. And I think also have maybe, Maybe that's something that's hard to show if maybe Sarah was in this. Maybe that her and Tony had a conversation that wasn't, you know, it could be something that something as simple as they had a conversation about that that wasn't caught as well on camera or something like that or wasn't just didn't work for the for the for the show. That wasn't for a reason that that wasn't shown. But, yeah, I would have loved to see more of that um, for sure. Um, I mean, you you, sorry, you, you have to think that she's having a few confessionals where she's like, yeah, Tony's playing a very flashy game, but without me, he has no chance of winning this season. That like, you you have to think that there that she's having some confessionals where she's defending herself, and we've seen that from a lot of winners who are playing a bit of a behind the scenes game. Am I right about that, Ryan? No, we did. You're right. No, we we literally saw that. If you think back to the fashion show, the episode where Sophie gets voted out. Tony says, I'm not watching your fashion show. And Sarah's like, you're going to watch my show. And he's like, I'm not watching your show, Sarah. Sarah, I'm not watching your show. And what happens is we see a professional <laughs> where Sarah verbatim says, you know, Tony's all about flashy moves. He's all about moving fast. I'm more about a sm- smart, right. social, slow game. So I do think that Sarah thinks, hey, I can be Tony because he's erratic. He makes people upset. I am the one building the relationships and they're going to value my play. So I we saw that exact confessional a few weeks ago. And I we forgot do have, about that. And we do have two hours of TV next week. So I would not be yep. surprised if more than one of those is put in for next week. Especially because we've seen some really strong edits from the winner from from previous winners in the final episodes. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to hint towards um, somebody that came back from Edge of Extinction and Chris Underwood, but that's somebody that you never would have thought would win. And he had a ton of stuff like that. Like I was the underdog. I was this. I was that. So I, you know, a lot of stuff could be fit in that two hours of finale, and maybe it'll even be a little bit longer because they are going to have the abbreviated reunion. But I, you know, just just to cap off this cap off the the this episode right here, you know, the plan was between Nick. And, you know, Denise in the end and Tony and Sarah were that swing vote. They did decide to go Nick instead of Denise. What do you think the reasoning is for doing that? Is that now here's here's my opinion on that. I think that they know that Denise is tight with Ben and they're tight with Ben. So that means that it would be a four to one with it would be a four to one with Denise with uh, them, them four versus Michelle. Right. And if somebody from edge is going to come back and work from the bottom, then if Nick is still there, he could still work with Michelle and the edge person and then yeah. have Denise. So it would be a three, three instead of a four, two. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. I got to think the edge is a big factor here because if you don't have the edge and you can weaken Ben, granted, if they want to go with Ben to the end, you could do the whole strategy of voting out his number one ally. And then you bring him closer to you. We see that happen all the time. Um, but with the edge, you vote out Denise and you blindside Ben. Like you just said, the person comes back from the edge now they work with Ben, Nick, and Michelle, and now Sarah and Tony are on the bottom. So I think that they're going to factor that in a hundred percent. I think you're right. Yeah, and I and before we go to questions, 
I do want to talk about that last scene where they recap the season, but they also, it was like before they recap the season, we don't, we don't need to talk about the actual recap. What I do want to talk about is the farewell to edge. Cause we did get a few very telling things from that scene. In my opinion, mm-hmm. we found out who has how many fire tokens. We kind of heard from every person, what they're going to use the advantages on. And then we ended what, with what I thought was a very, very telling scene. Um, where Natalie has extra fire tokens and she buys it for tight. Ty- she buys an idol for Tyson thinking that, all right, well, Tyson's not going to be helped in the challenge by this, but if he, he, if he would have the best odds to get back in, that's not me. At least these tokens will be going to good use and being helped for somebody that gets back into the game. I would have to think that, you know, that would have been shown regardless, but I just think that based on this whole edit we're getting from edge, I think Natalie or Tyson are the people that have the best chance of getting in. And Natalie having those three advantages is huge. Did we get, do we know if Tyson has any advantages in the challenge or did he just get the idol from Natalie? I thought he said he doesn't have a, well, no, 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 he does because he got two tokens from the coconut challenge. So he probably bought one advantage because now advantages cost two tokens and he doesn't have enough for an idol. So Natalie bought him one. I think he's going to have one advantage, I think. Okay. Yeah, and we got a few more tidbits from other people that were buying advantages. So Natalie's buying three. It looked like Parv only has two fire tokens. We thought she had a lot more, but she said she's buying t- how many? What is it? One token for an advantage? No, now it's instead of one, two, three, it's now two, four, six. So two for one okay. advantage, four for two, six for three. So Parv already had two. She's buying an advantage. Who else did we hear from that's buying an advantage? Did we hear from anybody else's buying an advantage? Well, regardless of who we heard from, because now, again, I'm starting to lose count of who has what, but we know the people who won the challenge last week with the coconut. So Sophie now has two tokens. I got to think Sophie's buying one. Yule probably is going to buy one. Wendell's going to probably buy one. Um, Tyson going to buy one. Parvati going to buy one. Natalie obviously can buy three because she's rich with tokens. And then I'm not sure who else has any tokens besides those six. And we also got that interesting tidbit that Rob's idol that he bought and Natalie's idol that he bought, they do carry over and they still have them. That's something that we did not think was a thing. Yes, people were very quick to correct me in the comments. Left right. at the last <laughs> video. And yes, I didn't know that. I was going off of Jeff's initial interview, but he did correct himself. And we do see confirmation this week that those idols are still fair play. So there we go. Yeah, so... Who do you guys agree with me that Natalie and Tyson? And by the way, we said that we thought the challenge could be the same as season 38. And I could be wrong, but off of initial glance, it looks like that is the case. Are we wrong? Are we right there? Did you see what I'm talking about where it looked like they were tangled in rope? I saw that, don't I agree? Yeah, I think it is the same one. I'm not really sure. But, you know, when it's such a long challenge like that, advantages could be very helpful. But if you do have a timely if you have a time-consuming table maze at the end, then you're going to really need to use those advantages to get there before everyone else. So you do have a little bit of time to kind of get your get your ground, get your feel feel out the table maze. Um, but do you guys agree with me that Natalie and Tyson have the best chance to get in? If so, if not, then I want to hear who else do you think has a chance. I've been saying for a while. I think it's going to be Natalie or Tyson. I mean, listen, as a longtime fan. I would love if Parvati could come back. I would love that so much. I don't think it's going to happen, though. Um, I just think that the edit, from what we're seeing from who's winning the advantages, who's getting the edit on the edge, it's got to be Natalie or Tyson for sure. And it's tough because I know, and I know Hef has an opinion on this because I know he loves Tyson. Um, I really want Tyson to come back, but I just think that Natalie 
deserves it so much. I know the whole concept of who deserves what is such a, you know, very subjective conversation, but I just feel like for her to be the very first one on EOE and to win almost all the advantages minus like one or two, she deserves it so much. And honestly, I, it's just tough because it, this is either an all or nothing edit, Dylan. Either she got all these advantages and she's going to come back into the game whether she wins or not. I don't think she can win, but she comes back into the game because she won all these advantages or the edit is going to be the opposite where you did all this work and you came just short. And I really hope for her story, I really hope she can come back in because she works so hard on the edge. Yeah, and we have Don't Sleep on Jeremy. So one one thing, one thing I don't like about Edge, and it's been something that's been complained about all season, is that Jeremy and Kim have the least amount of advantages because yeah. they were the most recent ones voted out, and Natalie has been there the whole time. So technically Natalie is getting – you know, and I do want to give credit to Natalie because she has done perfectly on – she has done absolutely perfectly on all these Edge of Extinction challenges, and she has found the right clues and figured out the clues, but she's also – known the island the best because she was voted out first. So she's been there 32 days. She's being rewarded and some other people are being rewarded for being out of the game longer. So that's, you know, that's a big, I don't want to complain too much, but that has been a big complaint about Edge of Extinction. But yeah, I, I'm not counting out Jeremy. I'm not counting out Kim. I'm not counting out Sophie, who's very good at those. And if there's a puzzle at the end or table maze, she's definitely good at those. So I want to make two yeah. comments. Okay. Um, first of all, thank you, Natalie, for giving my boy an idol. I know when he, I know when he wins this challenge, he's going to need it. So thank you for that, Nat. And second, Natalie, what are you doing eating an entire jar of peanut butter the day of the challenge? Did anyone notice that? I don't think, I don't think she was eating, she was probably not eating the whole jar. It, like, was, it was empty by the time she gave the Tyson, when she gave Tyson one may, little, one maybe, little maybe, maybe she, maybe she shared it. That's I, dumb then. Don't do that. I don't, I don't, I would not, there's I would not, there's no, something no, wrong there. I, I thought about that also. A while ago and she ate it, she buried it, she ate it, she buried it. There's no way she ate Ryan, it. When, she, when, when we saw her take it out of that bag and she had her million tokens, it was full. Yeah, no, she did. I think she said she spent one on peanut butter, like she, recently. She, I don't, she saved it all for the day of. She's going to be, she's going to be sick and she'll be taking a dump during the challenge. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think she's that. Ryan, funny. am I wrong? I don't think she ate I'm it. I'm not reading into it that much. She did. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think that it, Either she ate it all and she'll be taking a dump during the challenge, or she shared it and she's giving other people strength. Don't share that. Yeah, I don't know. We 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 don't have the full story, so we'll have to see. And Unless we'll see. you're giving it to Tyson, don't share it. <laughs> but uh yeah, so do yeah, so we we all agree, Natalie or Tyson. Is that what we're we're thinking? Natalie, that's, no shot. That, that's what I'm again. hoping for, and that's what I think. Okay. Natalie has no shot. And one other question I want to ask before we go to questions from the viewers. What let's just say, so let's just say that Natalie and Tyson are the two that have the best chance of getting back in. If Natalie gets back in, who does that help? And who does that hurt? It helps it Michelle. Help her. It helps Michelle the most. Michelle was allied with Natalie at the start of the game, and she was close with Jeremy. Jeremy will tell her to go work with Natalie. And it benefits Natalie, uh, Michelle tremendously. It might help Denise. I know Denise and Natalie were on the same tribe. It could help her as well. I don't see how it helps Tony and Sarah unless Natalie has an outside relationship with them. But I don't know that. 
And then what do we yeah. think about Tyson? Who, who who would that help if he were to get back into the game? If Tyson were to get, get back into the game, he has to play his idol right away. That's all I have to say. Well, yeah. He'd be the target right away. I think that whoever comes back, it's going they're going to immediately side with the people on the outs because like they know that they're up against a huge they're up against a lot because they're coming back from edge of extinction and they know that they're gonna have a small chance of winning, especially after season thirty-eight. They're gonna want to have to go. They're gonna want to go after Tony first of all, in my opinion, because they want to get rid of as many big targets as possible. So that I mean, no matter who comes back, they want to be sitting next to at this point Ben and probably Michelle or Denise. They don't want to sit next to Tony or Sarah. So I think whoever comes back, they're gonna side with that minority alliance. Also, Dylan, before we get to questions, can I bring up one last point? Right. Because if we if we don't talk about this, I'm gonna be very upset. How could we almost not mention the amazing calendar scene at the start of the episode with Jeremy and Tony arguing about how many days are in a week? That was such a funny scene. I get. I'm thinking back to you know the great character moments like you know Shane and his BlackBerry or Coach and um, Coach like being the conductor and uh, Sean with the alphabet strategy. I love the character moments on the show, like with the fashion show. This was so amazing, and this kind of ties into where uh, you both have kept saying uh, on these podcasts, we see the Twitter feud between Tony and Jeremy. This was so funny with there's no, a week is 10 days, a week is 14 days. You're a police officer, go back to school. You know what you're talking about? I'm on vacation. You're working hard, not smart. Didn't, didn't you guys love this scene? Uh, the, yeah. the, the, the calendar scene? Yeah, that I, was I, great. I love that Phenomenal. scene. That was, that was one of my favorite scenes of the season. I saw I saw they had it on a sneak peek. I know yeah, me too. Watch. I know you don't watch a sneak peek, Tef, but that was that was something I saw in advance. So yeah, and speaking of sneak peeks, um, hey Colin Perani, whoever mm. you are, why are you writing spoilers in our chat? <sighs> I am Bird. Highlight Mark Garnett's comment. Nobody wants spoilers. It's true. Nobody wants spoilers. I don't watch the previews of the next episode. Colin Perani, get out of here. You're never you're never allowed to listen to us again. Okay, okay, okay. Let, 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 let's, <laughs> well, let's move on to the questions. If you have any I questions, value I value all of our other listeners, and I value myself, my viewing experience too. Nobody wants spoilers. That guy, that guy's out of here. Get out. Yep, I agree. So Colin has been blocked. So everybody who is in here still, sorry about that. And We'll move on from now, from there to questions from the viewers. What questions does everybody have regarding this episode going forward? What do we think? Questions, questions. And before we get to the questions, do we have anything else that you guys want to say regarding this? Yeah, episode? I have one last forward? thing actually, and this kind of ties into like the the deeper moments on the show, like the character moments. Um, before we get to the questions. I really liked that first tribal council. Granted, I liked both tribals because there was no whispering, but that's just me. Um, but I love the first tribal where it was really deep and serious, where they kind of got on a whole tangent about, you know, you know, when you come, when you go home, like how, like how long does it take you to recover? How did you get back into normal? People were saying it took me months. Like I couldn't trust my wife. I couldn't trust my coworkers. And I think that's the biggest thing that we lose is that, I'm, I've always been a person that says it's a game. I mean, I'm a big fan. If I go on the show, I get voted out. I'm going to be upset, but it's, it's a game. Like you play to win. It's just a game. Get over it. But I think we always lose the through line and we always lose the point that these are real people with real lives. And when you are stuck in an environment for 39 days, 
and you can't trust anybody and you go home, it's hard to trust people right away. That was a really deep and profound tribal. And I actually really respected that they kind of delved into that issue. Ryan, thank you for bringing that up. Cause I, I completely forgot about that and I loved it. It's yeah. we got, we got to see the players as people and we got to understand how intense and amazing the game is. And that that's something that I never would have thought of before this tribal and I loved every second of it. So I don't know if you guys remember when we did our first interview with a former player from this podcast, Aaron Meredith of season 39, he mentioned that briefly, I believe when he was on the podcast with us. And he said that when he got back from, and by the way, I absolutely loved this moment. Also, I thought it was just very humanizing and it shows that it's a game, but it does affect these players in real life. These people are people too. They're not just TV personalities. They're not actors. They're real, you know, they're people. This is, this means a lot to them. The game really does mess up with your, with your psychology at times when you do get home. And Aaron mentioned that he would be like, he would be sitting in a room and there'd be people talking behind him and he'd be like looking over his shoulder, like trying to, you know, hear what they're yeah. saying or stuff. And it has to be hard to get back and adjust to the real, real, real world after not just having lost a bunch of weight, but you know, just the mental strain is also, you know, extremely tough coming back. So I do agree with you guys. And thank yeah. you for bringing that up, Ryan. I, you know, I forgot to mention that before. Yeah. But that was a great moment. Thank you. Ryan. So, yep. so two questions, who do you guys think has the best chance to return from the edge? Other than Natalie, so we just mentioned before, um, huge, huge, huge on Tyson, and I do want to give credit to we had a few Wendells people saying Wendell. Yeah, that, that was interesting. So we spoke about this with Kelly on Sunday. I have mentioned it previously on the podcast. I think that Wendell Wendell's storyline was extremely incomplete with Michelle. Um, we haven't seen a lot of him on Edge, which makes me think that he's not going to come back. However. Wendell is not the type to get overwhelmed in challenges. And, you know, he's very good at challenges as well. So I would say that my sleeper pick, if not Tyson or Natalie, I would say my sleeper pick is Wendell. Can I make a comment? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Ron. Sorry, Ryan. No, you're good. You're good. Um, go, go. I'll put my money where my mouth is right now. You guys ready? <laughs> okay, let's hear it. I'm oh, not going to go all in on Tyson, even though our listeners know that I know he's going to win. I, I, my boy Tyson's going to pull this out. But I'll say this. If Natalie wins this challenge and makes it back into the game, I will never watch a season of Survivor again. <laughs> I'm that you, confident. You're, you're so full of it. You are <laughs> so full of it. You. I'm I calling you. your bluff right now. And, and have returned to the podcast following the show. <laughs> following <laughs> no the show shot. No shot. Look, to answer um, – that the question, I think that we talked about it's going to be probably Natalie or Tyson. Again, Wendell could be a sleeper pick with those confessionals, but I just feel like we haven't seen much of him on the edge, like Dylan said. And also, I think his edit has been very, it's felt incomplete, but I think he also kind of got like a dodo or a very, not villainous, but like a very different type of edit than his first season. I think that's kind of been the story for him this season so maybe he's a sleeper pick but i don't think so i'm thinking either natalie or tyson likely maybe sophie because she's a good competitor we saw a lot of parvati on eoe and listen i would love if parvati came back i don't think it's going to happen um i mean granted it, it could be rob i think that the great thing about the edge i mean i don't like the edge at all but the only good thing is that it's likely natalie or tyson but 
I could see Wendell. I could see Sophie. There's a lot of possibilities here. There's only a few people where the edit's like, no, you're done. You're not coming back no matter what. All right. I agree. Yeah, I completely agree. So next question we have, who is more likely to, to, who is more likely to flip on the other Tony or Sarah? Tough question. I actually like this one a lot. History. So, oh. so I can one? take this one. Um, I can see, I can see Tony wanting to stay strong with Sarah, but I have a feeling that someone will plant some kind of seed in his head, sort of like when Ryan, help me out here. Someone, like Spencer, planted a seed in Tony's head in season twenty-eight that made him go crazy with the plan he was going to do, and he voted out Trish. So basically, so, the biggest thing that happened was Spencer planted a seed on Tony at the final seven because there was four women and three men, and, to- and Spencer planted the seed of an all women's alliance, and to- and that's one of the reasons why Tony built the spy shack to investigate Jeffra, and he blindsided Jeffra. That was the seed planting in that season. Okay, I, I think that we're going to see something similar here, where someone says one tiny thing about how Sarah might have a narrative to beat Tony because she lost to him in the first season and they might be, and she was pulling strings behind the scenes, whatever, whatever he needs to hear, he's going to flip a switch and then he's going to maneuver, do his Tony stuff and then flip on her. Yeah. I mean, really quickly before Dylan goes, I think that I could see them sticking together, but the one weird scenario I could see happening is Tony wants to stay loyal to Sarah Sarah actually considers making a move on Tony. It gets leaked back to him. I think Tony then pulls the trigger officially. I think that is a weird scenario I could see happening. I can and, definitely see it. And what what better person to cause chaos than a Tyson or Natalie coming back in the game? Wouldn't it be mm-hmm. perfect for them to say, hey, everybody on edge would pro- would vote for Sarah over or would vote for Tony if you're, you know, if you're trying to just split them up. Everyone on edge has been talking about it. They would vote for this person over you. And then all of a sudden people go crazy. You know, we, you know, we saw in the preview, it looked like there was going to be craziness at some point. And I mean, you know, not really giving anything away. It's a preview, yeah. but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure that no matter who comes back from edge of extinction, their primary goal, even if they don't think that they could win the game coming back from edge of extinction, why would you not want to cause craziness? Yep. Yeah. So I, so I definitely think that that's possible that I don't know who is more likely to flip. I'm going to say that whoever gets the seed plant in their head first, that's what I'm thinking. So yeah. Um, all right. So who do you want to see? Who do you want to see win out of the final five? And who do you think should win in that final five? Me, for me, this is an easy answer. I think Tony has played the best game. I thought that he was going to be one of the first three or four people voted out of this season. I think it's incredible that he's, that he, you know, changed his entire game, flew under the radar until it was the perfect time, decided, you know what? Now it's final nine, time to start playing blindside Sophie. Then has the episode, you know, and then at the same time has the has to deal with the extortion, has been controlling every single vote since that point. I think Tony's played the best game. And then as we spoke about earlier in this podcast, I think that if Tony were to get voted out, I think that Sarah would be would be the would be possibly the one to flip on him. And I think that Sarah, even if she were to go to the end with Tony, would have the second best case to win this game. I hundred percent agree. Um, yeah, I agree. Tony's my second favorite survivor winner ever. So I would love to see him win. I think that he's playing the best game so far. So I think that if, I guess it, like, if it was a five person tribal council, I think that Tony should definitely win at this point. And I'm going to make the case right now. Michelle's playing a better game than Sarah. No, 
No, I, I disagree. I can, I can, okay, I completely disagree with that, first of all, because uh, Sarah's been on the right side of the vote every time, but I – and Michelle has been, unfortunately, on the bottom, but, I, yeah, I just – I disagree straight up. It, do you have a legit reasoning, or is that a joke? Um, It, <laughs> it, was, a, it was a hot take, purposefully, but, I mean – Let's talk. Let's go. Let's go right now. Immunity. We same amount of immunity advantages. We have the she, Sarah had an idol and Michelle had she had or, the steal Sarah had a steal vote and steal Michelle vote. had the coin flip. Michelle is beating Sarah and immunity wins. Michelle, I mean, and I guess from a survivor student of the game, I value an underdog story more than someone who has constantly been on the right side of the votes. Without making, like, she's made a couple big moves, of course, but I think that Michelle is somehow made it throughout the, the entire season up until this point without a single vote against her. And I think that that is something to be said for itself. I think that that separates her from a lot of other Survivor players. That was not a bad argument, I have to say. But I, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would take Sarah. But I do think that something has to be said for being an underdog, and you know, maybe she wasn't directly in trouble every week, but just because her, her alliance wasn't trouble, she was in trouble. And I, I do think Michelle's a very good player, and would love to see her play again in the future. But to move on to another question, okay. So this is act. This is another interesting one. All right. Is it? Are you going to do best season ever? Yeah. Yes. So well, let me let me start here. Um, well, let me read the question first, so people oh, who are yeah. listening. Ooh, yes, very true. So, do you guys feel that this season is really the best ever? Like Probe said. So it's funny. I was actually talking to a friend of mine whose mom gave honestly the worst opinion I've ever heard in my life that it's the worst season she's ever watched. Hmm? Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What, what, what are we talking about? Right there has to be more context. Apparently, she's seen. 75% of the seasons or something like okay. that. Okay. So that that's a wild statement. I, I think that th this is for sure one of my three favorite seasons ever. I have until this episode, I have been completely clueless about who's going to get voted out. And e even tonight, I thought that there was a chance Michelle would play her advantage for Jeremy instead of herself. And who knows what would have happened there? Uh, who I thought Nick might have flipped and Every single episode, I feel like I have no clue what's going to go on. The, the tribal councils have been crazy. A lot of advantages impacting the game. It's a ton of amazing characters and personalities that I love to see just throughout camp life and everything along those lines. I, it's one of my top three seasons. I don't know how anyone could possibly say it's their least favorite. So I guess, oh, Dylan, do you want to go a second? Sure, I'll go. So I was going to say that I think this is top three for me. If I had to not in order, say top three, I would say this heroes villains. And we have somebody in the comments saying Cambodia. I do agree with that. I love second chance. I hope there's a second chance too. Um, yeah, those are my top three. As Hef said, I love the personalities on the season. I think that, you know, other than you could probably make an argument for heroes villains being on par with a cast like this, but yep. other than those two seasons, who knows if we'll ever see a cast like this ever again in Survivor. So I think that part of that is so special, having iconic players like Rob and Tyson and Tony and Parvati and, you know, Kim and all these players on the same in the same game, player, and then players who haven't played in, in close to 20 years like Amber coming back, players who haven't played in close to 20 years like Ethan coming back. 
um, Danny, stuff like that. I think that all of it is blended into such an amazing season. I really have loved it. So would I say it's the best ever? I'm not sure, but I do think it's definitely top three. What would you say, Ryan? Yeah, I think that it comes down to a lot of factors. And I think one thing that I'm excited for is in the off season, we're going to have a ton of coverage. You know, one thing that people want us to do is to talk about different seasons or rank the seasons, and we can always figure out how we'll do that. But, you know, when I rank my seasons or when I place my top seasons, I factor in a lot into that. I factor in the cast, the gameplay, the moves, also the boot order. Was the boot order good? And by the boot order, I mean, like, you know, I want great people to go far and I want some blind sides early. But if I lose all my favorite people early or if I lose all the big names early, it's like game changers. It's not great. I don't want to lose Sierra, Tony, Malcolm, JT all in a row. And this season, it kind of hurt. And I kind of hurt to lose Parvati, Tyson, Rob, like all, it was really tough to watch that and see some of these winners that are left. So I think the, but again, like Dylan said, this is an all time cast. We've seen some amazing gameplay, amazing moments. We'll never see this again. I think no matter what tie to answer the question, no matter what, it's going to be top five for me, no matter what. I again, it's going to depend on the winner too. The winner is also another big factor for me as well. I think that if Tony wins, it could bump up the top three. I just don't know for me if it'll ever be my number one, but I think it could be in my top five for sure. Yeah, and I yeah, I I mean I think I think you know we're on the same page here that it is a top three to five season ever. Obviously, the winner is gonna make is gonna you know could change that opinion, could increase that opinion. We don't really know what's going to happen, but looking forward to next week, uh, I do want to wrap things up and I do want to say first, I wanted to thank everybody. Um, Our interview with Kelly Wentworth on Sunday, the video has blown up a lot. I want to thank everybody for being involved, uh, you know, being in the chats, watching on Twitter, following us on social media, interacting with us, um, subscribing us to us here. It's really been great. You know, we've grown a lot this season and looking forward to doing it on future seasons whenever that may finally air. Um, so thank you to everybody for that. And looking forward to a great finale next week. I am so excited for the finale. This is, again, what we've been waiting for for years. I remember being younger and wanting an all-winter season, and I can't believe it's finally over. Um, it's going to be hard to have a long off season, but I'm excited to break it down for you guys, and I have nothing else for you. Yeah, and quick and quick before Hef gives his close, yeah. I also, I know I alluded to it, um, but I want to say that you should like this video because it helps us out. Subscribe to us because if you enjoyed this, go follow us on Twitter at Soul Survivor Pod. and really looking forward to next week. Um, as Ryan said, we have a lot of off-season content that we're planning. If you guys have any original ideas for us, feel free to tweet at us and we'll definitely take it into consideration. So that being said... Go have Ryan. I'm feeling it. Lead me in. (sighs) Got nothing else for you guys. Grab your torches. Head back to camp. Good night.